Welcome to the Lawyerist Podcast with Sam Glover and Aaron Street. Each week, Lawyerist brings you advice and interviews to help you build a more successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. And now, here are Sam and Aaron. Hi, I'm Sam Glover. And I'm Aaron Street, and this is episode 126 of the Lawyerist podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Today, we're talking with Megan Xavier about how TBD law catalyzed the reinvention of her law practice and what it takes to reinvent yours. Today's podcast is sponsored by Spotlight Branding, which wants you to know that having a new website designed for your law firm doesn't have to suck. Spotlight Branding prides itself on great communication, meeting deadlines, and getting results. Text the word website to 66866 in order to receive a free website appraisal worksheet. Today's podcast is sponsored by FreshBooks, which is ridiculously easy to use and packed with powerful features. Try it now at freshbooks.com slash lawyerist and enter lawyerist in the how did you hear about us section. Today's podcast is also sponsored by Ruby Receptionists, and it's smart, charming receptionists who are perfect for small firms. Visit callruby.com slash lawyerist to get a risk-free trial with Ruby. So for the last few podcast episodes, we've kind of talked about the fact that TBD law number three in August is now open for application. And we've talked a little bit about the logistics of applying, but we thought we'd take a little bit of a break from that and kind of talk more about its purpose and why we built it, which is that in law practice, in small firm law practice, if you are a creative business person or an innovator or tech oriented or trying to think up ways to better serve clients that haven't been tried before, um, we found that that can be really isolating and that there can often be a lot of active resistance from other lawyers from bar associations, from regulators, and that it can just be a really strange experience to be someone trying to make your business better, make the world better, and to kind of feel alone or feel like people are actively trying to stop you from doing that. Um, And so one of the things we wanted to do was kind of create a tribe of people who can come together and understand each other, work with each other, encourage each other, rather than it being something where you feel like you're the only one who you know who gets it. Yeah, when I talked to Megan about doing this podcast about reinvention, she is the one who said, you know, when I went to TBD Law the first time, it felt like she had finally met her tribe. And, you know, I've been explaining it in not as effective words (laughs) because uh, Matt Homan, who's our business partner, is the first person that I really met where I was like, shit, yeah, there's somebody else out there who gets it. And he was a speaker, you know, he'd been he was recognized as being a thought leader or whatever. And he was um, up at the solo small convention in Minnesota. And I went up to him afterwards and just felt like. I finally met a kindred spirit who really had some neat, cool ideas about law practice, but really useful, effective ones for doing it differently. And he was reassuring me that I'm not crazy for wanting to do things differently and that it could work. And it was so refreshing to have met just one person. And then I met more and more. And TBD Law is that tribe. It's all of the people who we can find that get it and who not only won't get in your way, but we'll kind of welcome you and be like, yeah, know that this is where you belong and let's blow each other's minds for a couple of days by talking through the kinds of ideas that 
you're having trouble talking about with anybody else and engage with them and don't just poo-poo them from the beginning, but actually try and figure out if there's something there or not. So if your kind of future orientation or business creativity or tech savviness have made you feel a little bit alone in your law practice or in your legal community, or if you've actually seen roadblocks put in front of you by old school people who don't get it, let us know. We would love to have you at TBD Law 3 in August and invite you into the tribe. And we kind of just want to know who you are anyway, but TBD Law sounds like it would be your natural home. So um, I think you know where to find it. Go to lawyerist.com slash TBD Law. And I hope we'll hear from you and maybe even see you in August. And here's my conversation now with Megan. I'm Megan Xavier, and I'm a lawyer for other lawyers. I primarily represent lawyers in California who are facing ethics investigations or law students having difficulty getting admitted to the bar. I also counsel lawyers on expanding their practices and running their practices ethically. And finally, I write and speak on topics of ethics. Very cool. Thanks for being with us, Megan. Thanks for having me. And you've been on the podcast a couple of times before, in part to talk about how you maintain a California law practice while not living there. Where are you now? I live in Georgia, just north of Atlanta. And if you're interested in hearing more about how Megan landed in Georgia, listen to her podcast on personal challenges, which you can find on our website. It's uh, it's a neat story. And so I know, Megan, you've been writing for lawyerists for a long time, but I have learned so much more about you and your practice over the last year or so because you came to the first TBD law um, just about a year ago. That's right. And the, and the second, about six months ago. I know. You're, you've now become a regular, which is awesome. And, <laughs> and that part of that is because I think it, it spurred you to re-examine the way that you do your law practice. And, um, and you've done just a ton of, I know you've done a ton of work on it since that first meeting. And uh, I'd like to hear more about that. And you've been thinking about what it means to reinvent your law practice. And you recently published a post on that. And so um, I thought today maybe we could talk about for lawyers who are sort of <laughs> facing down the barrel of the future of law practice and are finally starting to realize that things are changing. Like, how do they start thinking through doing something about that? Yeah, well, I would love to talk about that because reinventing my practice has just been so pivotal in really my even continuing as a solo. And I speak to other lawyers sometimes because they've come to me to ask questions about it and other times because I find them sort of um, depressed about where their practice is going or stuck with ideas that they think are too crazy to implement. And those, all of those sorts of discussions just spur me on to talking more and more about this reinvention of, of our practices. Because it's not just the industry as a whole that's changing, and we talk about that a lot, but really it's the individual lawyers thinking outside the box, pushing the boundaries of what we've been taught as in the traditional model, and just getting out there and delivering legal services in new ways that's really forming what we call this future of law practice. I guess getting stuck is... Um yeah, I mean, I tend to think so much about um, how the law practice, uh, the practice of law has changed over the last, I don't know, 8, 10, 12 years, um, and and what that means for the future. But but you're right. I mean, it's an old tale that lawyers just kind of start feeling like they're spinning their wheels and stuck at some point. And that's partly because lawyers uh, really resist the idea of running their practice like a business, I think. 
Um, and, and, you know, part of it is just, uh, the, the nature of law practice means churning hours unless you change something. Yeah, it absolutely does. And, you know, the resistance to treating our law practices as a business is, I think, part of why I hear from some of these people, because we're taught in law school that we're different as a profession. And, you know, in some ways I think, oh, we're special. We have different obligations. We have different motivations than just earning money. And, oh, capitalistic businesses, they're just out to make money, but we're, we're a profession and we're different. You know, you know, what's super interesting about that is I, I've been reading Jordan Furlong's book and he points out that although we love to say corporations make money and we're a profession, we're somehow above that. I mean, what is it that lawyers are constantly thinking about all the time is money, right? Hours and billing yeah. and receivables Absolutely. and re realization rates. And like, I think as I think the professionals actually think about money as much or more than the businesses. Yeah, I think we do too. But we're taught in law school that somehow we don't. Mm -hmm. right? I mean, if you go back to, with, for some of us whose parents are lawyers, um, we would hear about back in law school, you know, they were taught lawyers don't advertise. Hmm. In fact, before, you know, Jacoby and Myers challenged that in California and then other places also, you had their challenges and that changed. It was a gentleman's profession where you didn't ask for business. You didn't put your name on the back of a bus. Well, look how far we've come from that. <laughs> Similar to now, we are not any real, really any different. And that's part of the, the place where people get stuck is, well, I'm not supposed to treat it this way. Oh, that book over there for entrepreneurs, that's for businesses. I'm a law firm. I need a book for lawyers. Mm -hmm. You know, we act like we're somehow different. And so those people who are in that mindset but want to change, they call people like me on ethics questions. Mm -hmm. Am I allowed to do this? Right. Is this okay? Because I was taught this stuff in law school. I was taught that I'm not supposed to do things differently. Or, or the, don't the ethics rules mean that I can't do that? And honestly, sometimes they do. Um, sometimes <laughs> the ethics rules do come into play and you say, well, actually, yeah, if you were an accountant um, or if you were a window washer, you could do that. As a lawyer, you can't. So we do have some of that. Um, but those people are often looking at ethics questions and saying, how far back do the ethics rules hold me? Yeah. Well, well so sometimes that stuckness is that mindset of, well, just getting away from the idea that it's always been done this way, so anything else must be unethical, or there must be some good reason why we don't. But like, so what? What is it that broke you loose? What got you unstuck? Well, for me, um, the big catalyst to my freedom of thought to continue down a path that's totally different than a traditional law practice was the first time that TBD law was held. So that was last August, and. I had already been working on some ideas and doing things differently than a lot of my colleagues and certainly differently than a traditional law firm, but it was with hesitance and mm -hmm. uncertainty. I, I knew I was ethically okay. I mean, hey, that's my, that's what I do, right? So I knew I was okay on the ethics side of it, but I really wasn't sure that what I was doing was going to be accepted and that I, I felt very alone. I felt like I was the only person out there with some of my crazy ideas and trying to implement things like working virtually um, from at one point halfway around the world and then now across the country from my jurisdiction, um, trying to deliver services not only remotely but online. Several of the things I was doing, I felt so alone. And I'm certainly working within a practice area that is not particularly forward thinking. I mean, besides just the fact that ethics rules are always catching up with things like technology mm -hmm. and other evolutions of the practice. Um, I work in a state bar court that does not ele accept electronic filing and won't even accept a fax 
signature, even though the California court rules allow it. So I'm, I'm kind of as backwards. I always like how California is is on the cutting edge of technology um, and somehow totally behind in, in significant ways. <laughs> oh, absolutely. When it, the L.A. Superior Court is starting e-filing, slowly trickling it out this year. And I'm thinking, mm. you know, 20 years late. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's stepping way back on some of these things. And so my practice area it certainly is. And I was trying to do things differently, but really uncertain that what I was doing was worth the effort. Um, when certain things I was trying to do weren't taking hold right away, my initial thought was this whole idea is wrong as opposed to just how I was implementing it. So when I went to the first iteration of TBD law, I felt like I'd kind of found my tribe. You know, I'm sitting in a room full of people who all have some of these ideas and they're at different stages of development. Some of them had been wildly successful with doing things in a non-traditional way. And even though I wasn't necessarily going to follow in the footsteps of everyone in that room, because people went in lots of different directions, I felt overall that mentally it was really freeing to realize I wasn't alone in thinking that some of these were good ideas. I've been talking to uh, a lot of the people who've applied for the the next meeting of TBD Law in August. And uh, uh, I guess it's on, for the listeners, it's on August 27th. Um, I'm sure by the time we publish this podcast, Aaron and I will have added an intro where we give you the details. But um, if you're listening and you're curious, go to lawyerist.com to find more information. But, you know, I've been talking to everybody who applies for this next TBD law. And a lot of the people who have applied, um, especially those who are coming back, but even those who are for the first time, are saying things like that. Like they, they are tired of everyone around them acting like they're crazy to be considering doing anything innovative. And everybody's telling them that what, you know, all kinds of reasons why they shouldn't, or they keep getting stuck in conversation, you know, defending their decision to do something relatively simple and rudimentary, like go paperless. And, um, and they're hoping that at TBD law, they can meet their tribe in the, the Seth Godin sense of tribe. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's what happened for me. And it, it wasn't, I wasn't without my setbacks prior to that in terms of trying to meet people and hoping that some of them would see things my way. Um, For example, I had launched my practice about two years before I attended a state bar annual meeting in California where I manned a booth for a while in the exhibit hall with some colleagues who do the same exact work as that I do. You know, there's a small group of us that are part of a trade association in California, the Association of Discipline Defense Council. And we had a booth and I had never met these people in person before. Um, I had emailed with some of them. I had called some of them as mentors in the past. And I was so excited to sit down in this booth where, yes, we were talking to people walking by, but I knew I'd get to collaborate and talk to these uh, colleagues of mine who were much more experienced than me. And I found myself in these conversations defending what I was doing way more than I thought I should have to. Mm. You know, they said, oh, right. I remember you from the email list. And so so where do you live? And what are you doing? <laughs> and I thought, oh, yeah, this is what I'm doing. And I thought I'd get some great reaction. Instead, I got, huh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. You know, kind of eye rolls and. And since then, I've come to know some of these folks a lot better. And they're wonderful people who've been amazing resources for me. So those conver- initial conversations, I was being told I was nuts by people who knew more than I did about my practice area, who'd been at it a lot longer and who I viewed um, with great respect 
And that's really um, a setback. That's a huge mental setback to go to someone that you hope so much will think highly of you and what you're trying to do and who you respect. And then they say, oh, yeah, I think you're kind of nuts. So it's like you... You, you get reinforcement and some confidence by seeing that other people are also trying some innovative things. And then, you, and you, I assume you come away with a bunch of ideas as well. I mean, I came away with a bunch of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> and you put it together. Yeah, I came away from the first TDD law with more ideas than I could possibly implement. And I think that one of the challenges that I always tell people when they say they want to reinvent their practice is the challenge that I faced coming out of that meeting, which is you hear so many great ideas and they don't all apply to you. Mm -hmm. They can be fantastic ideas, but they don't necessarily work with what you want to do. And so you have to sift through them. Otherwise, I certainly was guilty of this, but I think a lot of people find it. You end up following a path longer than you should before you realize, oh, this really doesn't work for me. (laughs) And so you've got to learn that skill of sifting through the ideas that you come away with and picking a couple that really do work. Think them all the way through and figure out which ones are worth the time of your investment. Because just because it's a great idea doesn't mean that it applies in your practice or should be a top priority in your practice. Yeah, you know, that goes both ways. And I think it's worth highlighting is on the one hand, there's this tendency to be like, this is how we practice law. And this is the way we do things. Um, And we everybody wants this sort of template that works for everything. And in reality, law practice is hundreds of different kinds of businesses. Um, They're all service businesses, everybody's serving clients, but Clients have just wildly differing needs from one practice area to the next and one practice to the next. And every practice is different in its own way. And I I think what you've just said is super important that you have to know where you're coming from. What a criminal defense lawyer or a workers' comp uh, firm uh, does that works for them may not work if you're representing lawyers remotely. And it's really, really important to know. On the other hand, I think lawyers have this sort of contradictory impulse, which also goes the other way, which is, oh, no, 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 that doesn't apply to me. And and are very quick to say, no, that doesn't apply to me. I'm, I'm the exception to that. My practice is the exception to that. My clients are the exception to that. And that can be equally problematic because then you never do anything interesting. But, but I think you're totally right that like it is, especially when you're getting your head stuffed to overflowing with ideas, as happens at TBD Law, you have to um, <laughs> let the glow wear off and then try and figure out which of those ideas that seemed great at the time really are going to mesh nicely with your practice. Exactly. And I think that's part of the challenge, but it's also a blessing of a place like TBD Law or um, any kind of online forum you can find where people are sharing these sorts of ideas is that you do get more ideas than you need, but it gives you an opportunity to sift through them. And what I found in coming out of that and the lessons that I learned in those first couple of months um, of trying to really implement the ideas that I had was to focus really clearly on where you want your practice to go. And you might not know that initially. Like, for example, when I stepped into TBD law, I didn't know what I wanted to do for certain. I knew some broad goals, but Mm -hmm. I was so tired of being told that I was crazy that I didn't really have a great focus on where I was trying to get to. I was just frustrated. I came out of it with a bit of a better idea, and there was a synergy between the 
sifting of ideas and the development of my goals that had to happen. But when you have that clear goal eventually figured out, you can better sift the ideas and go, okay, that one's an awesome idea if I was a trust and estate lawyer. But <laughs> you know, document automation really doesn't matter in what I'm doing right now. It's not the most important thing. It'd right. be a nice little side benefit if somebody felt like setting it up, but let's not spend too much of our resources on that. But this other idea that somebody who was practicing a completely different area than me had, that works for me. That helped get me to my goal. So those things have to happen where you, you define that goal in order to really make the ideas easy to triage. Yeah, you've got yeah, set, you've got to set your goal first, and then you've got to figure out your strategy, um, how you're going to get there. And, that, and that's where you really have to sift through all of the potential things that you could do to get there. Um, and you've got to figure out which tactics you're going to use to, to make your strategy work, um, to bring your firm towards the goal. And, uh, and obviously, all of that really has to be customized to your practice. We need to take a short break to hear from our sponsors, and when we come back, I want to talk um, more specifically about um, what you've been doing since TBD1 uh, to reinvent your practice, because I, I know a little bit about it, but I think our listeners will be interested too. Spotlight Branding is an internet marketing company that doesn't suck. Most solo and small firm lawyers have had at least one truly miserable experience with a web designer or internet marketing company. So if the idea of launching a new website for your law firm makes you queasy, they get it. Spotlight Branding prides itself on excellent communication with its clients, being responsive, professional, respectful, and delivering what it tells you it's going to deliver. Spotlight Branding works exclusively with solo and small law firms. Services include law firm website design, email newsletter management, social media marketing, and more, all designed to make your law practice more profitable. And Spotlight Branding is currently offering a free gift to our listeners. Simply text the word WEBSITE to 66866 and receive their free website appraisal worksheet, an easy way to evaluate your web presence, identify what's working, and spot opportunities to improve. So you're racing against the clock to wrap up three client projects, prepping for a meeting later in the afternoon, all while trying to tackle a mountain of paperwork. Welcome to modern life as a small firm lawyer. The working world has changed. With the growth of the internet, there's never been more opportunities for the self-employed. To meet this need, FreshBooks is excited to announce the launch of an all-new version of their cloud accounting software. It's been redesigned from the ground up and custom built for exactly the way you work. Get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, get paid quickly. The all new FreshBooks is not only ridiculously easy to use, it's also packed full of powerful features. Create and send professional looking invoices in less than 30 seconds, set up online payments with just a couple of clicks and get paid up to four days faster, see when your client has seen your invoice and put an end to the guessing games. FreshBook is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to our listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com lawyerist and enter lawyerist in the how did you hear about us section. This podcast is supported by Ruby Receptionists. As a matter of fact, Ruby answers our phones at Lawyerist, and my firm was a paying Ruby customer before that. Here's what I love about Ruby. When I'm in the middle of something, I hate to be interrupted, so when the phone rings, it annoys me, and that often carries over into the conversation I have after I pick up the phone, which is why I'm better off not answering my own phone. Instead, Ruby answers the phone, and if the person on the other end asks for me, a friendly, cheerful receptionist from Ruby calls me and asks if I want them to put the call through. It's a buffer that gives me a minute to let go of my annoyance and be a better human being during the call. 
If you want to be a better human being on the phone, give Ruby a try. Go to callruby.com slash lawyerist to sign up, and Ruby will waive the $95 setup fee. If you aren't happy with Ruby for any reason, you can get your money back during your first three weeks. I'm pretty sure you'll stick around, but since there is no risk, you might as well try. Okay, we're back. So, uh, Megan, talk talk us through that. So, when you came home from the first TBD law meeting, um, what did you do and, and how did you go about doing it and, and how has that changed over the last year? Well, initially, and it literally started on the plane ride home. I'm not kidding. I just sat there with a yellow pad on the plane. And I did this big brain dump because I had not taken a lot of notes because I was listening so much, which is completely different than my norm. I usually am writing constantly. Um, and I realized I had all this information in my head and I needed to get it down. And I just wrote pages and pages of notes of all the different things I had heard and learned and who I heard them from, if I could recall, because I did go back over the next few months and talk to people whose ideas I had written down. Mm-hmm. That's Good. one thing about that community was so fantastic. I would call people and say, can I you know, borrow you for five minutes and three hours of phone time later? <laughs> um, we finally <laughs> would have learned even more. Um, but that was my first step. And then I did waste some time going down roads where there were some cool tools out there I didn't know about. And I said document automation earlier because that's one I spent more time on than I probably should have. I think maybe maybe by like the fourth meeting of TVD Law, I'll have invented a little shocker so that every time somebody starts talking about, you know, what's cool about practice management software, I can like zap them remotely. <laughs> <laughs> Stop talking about tools. Focus <laughs> on strategy. It's easy. Yeah, it's easy to get sucked in. Um, but the thing that's most concrete coming out of it um, for me from the reinventing my practice angle is actually going back to my original goal when I first launched my practice. So when I first launched, my goal was to reach lawyers who are self-represented through the discipline process because I've always believed and I continue to believe that those folks really need some resources. Mm-hmm. It's fine to be self-represented. I I differ with some of my colleagues on that. I you don't, don't think, think that only a fool has himself for a lawyer? <laughs> I do not. I really don't. <laughs> Especially when that person is actually a lawyer. <laughs> exactly. Um, and doing lawyer stuff like defending themselves against legal ethics yeah. inquiries. Uh, I do think that a lot of us are capable of handling our own discipline cases, but I don't think anyone should do it alone. I don't think you should go in blind because it's a different world in the discipline um, system. It's just not the same as your general state court or even federal court litigation. Well, and I suppose there's a lot of emotion tied up in it and you kind of need a buffer from that. That's part of it. It definitely, um, when you are on the defensive, it's not even just like representing yourself in a civil action. I mean, this is your license on the line. It's someone saying that you've done right. something unethical, which is very emotional. There's so much tied up in it. But there's also just a different process. I mean, things don't work the way you think they will. I talk to people all the time who say things like, but if this is the bar, this is my entity. Aren't they supposed to be looking out for my interests? Well, no, they're not, actually. That's a misconception. No, that's not the case. Um, So it's hard to go through it completely alone, even if you are representing yourself. And I tried lots of different ways to reach that audience. And I had said to um, everyone who was trying to help me from day one, my biggest challenge will be getting people to look up and look for me. Because if they're representing mm-hmm. themselves, they think they've got this. They're not looking for help. And so as I grew my practice, I ended up shifting into a lot more 
of representing people through the process and not getting myself represented, not getting my target audience from the beginning, because I couldn't overcome that hurdle of getting them to even look for me. And coming out of TVZ Law 1, the first meeting last August, I came up with some different marketing strategies. Um, and I came up with the idea, I, I didn't come up, some, someone came up with it for me or helped me see, um, <laughs> how creating a digital product to get to those people who are going self-represented is a huge way to get my information and advice to them without doing the far more traditional model that I was trying to employ. Yeah, because they're representing themselves, so they're, they're looking for information in order to represent themselves probably on the internet. And exactly. So there's an opportunity. And yeah. there, is, there isn't a resource out there designed for them. So they're looking online, they're reading the state bar website, they're reading the court rules, uh, but there's not a, a lawyer out there who's giving them a playbook. They're not given the roadmap to the system. And they're not looking for a lawyer to help self-represented respondent because they're not looking to hire a lawyer. So what are you doing and how are you reaching them? Well, I've, I am about to launch my digital product. I've been working on that pretty much since the first TVD law. And now I have it almost ready to launch. And so that is going out. And once it's up there, I'm really hoping to reach that segment that I've been missing. And honestly, if I hadn't gone to TVD law one and had this different view of delivering legal services, I probably would have abandoned reaching the self-represented litigants because I was so frustrated that I wasn't getting to them. So I'm guessing you're uh, doing your own version of trying to sort of profile um, what a self-represented uh, litigant in an ethics complaint matter is doing on the internet um, or potentially not on the internet, I guess. You're, you're trying, you've got sort of a profile of here are the things that they're doing. And so people who are doing this or searching for this um, are probably going to need a certain set of information. And then are you trying to reach them with ads or are you um, working on optimizing your your own website so that they hopefully find it or both or all of the above? Or is there something else you're, you're doing? Uh, well, both of Or is this those. all secret? <laughs> no, no, it's not secret. <laughs> but it's also stuff that, that comes from this whole reinventing angle of my law practice because I didn't really know how to market before. Um, before I really sat down to look at my practice as a whole and think, how can I redo all of this? Mm -hmm. um, I had been, quote, marketing by my writing. That's the biggest way that I get clients. And it, it still is, honestly, because when you are out there writing the information that the lawyers are looking for, then they think of you when they have a question. So that still is a big part of how I market. But I hadn't been doing any ads. My website wasn't particularly well optimized because I didn't really think all that much about how lawyers were searching for someone like me to help. And now I've realized the huge, huge number of resources for marketing. And again, like we were talking about earlier, where we think that everything's different for lawyers, I've come to realize it's not. And tapping into resources about marketing for non-lawyers, just any business, I've learned a lot about things like Google AdWords and remarketing pixels on your website, things that I'm able to do that aren't all implemented yet, but they will be part of my marketing of my digital product. Very cool. So what does this look like for you? What are you building? Well, um, the actual digital product is an interactive PDF. Yeah. Um, so it has embedded videos and it has infographics and <laughs> it, it really walks 
a respondent through the entire process so that they know if they get to this point, you know, basically where do they jump to next? What are their options? Um, it gets down into the nitty gritty for California State Bar Court, you know, how many days you have on, on different parts of the process, what page limits are. It has everything all the way down to the most basic information. And if you're self-represented, you should be able to pick up the playbook and read the first couple chapters and then jump to wherever you are in your process and have a roadmap of what to expect, what your options are, you know, different plays you can make in court, um, what places you can settle, what you can expect in settling, resources for where to find information on what's likely to happen in your case, you know, the best case scenarios and worst case scenarios that any experienced state bar court defense lawyer is going to be able to construct. I'm giving them the tools to construct them themselves. Very cool. What's so? What's the business model? Is are you selling that, or are you hoping that people retain you to help, or what's the plan? Well, my hope is that my target audience can use this to do what they need to do to defend themselves, and so I'm hoping that a lot of people who purchase the product won't need more. But if they do, um, if people purchase it and realize that they're overwhelmed and just don't want to or can't handle defending themselves after all, then I do hope that they would turn to me to be retained because here I'm their resource for the original information. I would hope that that... So you're selling it and you're hoping that it generates referrals or generates more business. I hope it does. I mean, I hope it does from a business perspective. I hope it doesn't in that if I haven't given enough information for the majority of the purchasers to not need me, then I think I'm missing something. Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. And I guess I should clarify, like, this is how you've chosen to reinvent your practice. Um, this is not like the template that gets, I mean, there's no template that we sell at TBD Law. Um, we're trying to help people do the kinds of things that you're doing by going through the process you've gone through. Um, but this is the way that you've chosen to do it. And it sounds um, really exciting. When, when does this launch? When will it go live? Um, it should be live no later than the, in early August. Gotcha. I know uh, from our conversations in the TBD Law chat room that you've um, you have adopted a few tools. And although earlier I said I want to zap people when they talk about tools, um, what are some of the? I think I think it's always kind of fun to talk to people about what are some of their favorite tools. So what since TBD Law, um, what are some of the neat tools that you've implemented to make your life easier? Well, I started small, and this is I always tell people this too when they're starting to change things in their practice to start with one thing, and I did, and then it snowballs. Because you get really excited as things work. Mm -hmm. So I started by automating my scheduling. I had um, consultations that I, I had a small bit of it automated. I mean, people could select a time to meet with me or have me call them. That was automated, but that was it. Um, and I started um, taking that little tiny piece that I had automated and making little incremental changes. So first, I um, upped it that there was an intake form. A, you know, much more detailed intake form so that when I did call people, I actually knew what they needed ahead of time, which is super useful because I could, you know, go pull the rules that we were going to talk about and any recent authorities so I could be really informed as, as to their subject. Mm -hmm. And then I implemented payment with that. Um, I was like, I've learned the lesson to stop giving away too much free time. <laughs> and I started charging for my consultation. That was a huge shift that yeah. partly came out of the TBD law community, just getting the confidence that, yes, I really should be doing this. I, I'm not doing a disservice by charging. I'm actually doing a service because now 
I have enough time to devote to this because I do need to earn a living. And now I have the 45 minutes to talk to you because you're paying me. I can afford to do this in a thorough way. So, and they're probably going to take you more seriously. You know, I've found that to be absolutely true. <laughs> absolutely. So um, I, I implemented Jot Form um, for my intake forms, and it goes um, integrates with Stripe. And so I have you schedule through Acuity Scheduling. You receive Jot Form intake forms, and Stripe is integrated for the payment. That's my little nest of tools for consultations, which has been a huge departure from how I was doing things before. And that's been definitely the start of my snowball. Have you had any like uh, moments where you realized that you were inadvertently turning people away or, or turning them off and you had to go make a change? Um, only with some of the forms like that I had to edit and make sure that the language was appropriate. You know, I didn't want to have anything in there that that just um, that made it sound like I was too inaccessible. That was a big thing for me is even though I'm charging for consultations, I always want to be accessible to people. Right. Um, as with a, a lot of other practice areas, um, I deal with a lot of really highly stressed people who are dealing with crises. And you, I sometimes have had language in my consultation materials that I realized on second read, oh, you know, somebody might think that I don't care. Yeah. Or that, you know, and that was a, that was a thing with um, changing from being free consultations where I would just pick up the phone and talk to somebody when they called um, anytime to having the paid consultations is that I felt like I had now made people think that you could never just pick up the phone and call me. And that wasn't true at all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, and the phone calls are so important to lawyers, but I have seen so many lawyers who proudly say, oh, I answer my own phone and then make all of their clients sit in the waiting room for 15 minutes. Like, (laughs) so um, just because you're making people fill out forms doesn't mean you're any more or less welcoming. It's it's all in how you do it. Right. And, And what I did with that particular thing where I thought I was turning people off was if you don't want to schedule a consultation and, and pay for 45 minutes of my time because you're not sure I can help you, I specifically say now, call or send an email gotcha. or call my main office number and talk to the receptionist. See if I do what you need. Yeah. Because I do get a fair number of people that I don't. You know, I had a real estate broker call yesterday and she thought that I would help with a real estate broker license issue. Well, no, I only handle lawyers. Okay, good, done. Yeah. Um, you know, she... New and I also get plaintiffs um, for legal malpractice things, and that's not something that I do. So those people should not schedule a consultation, pay online, all of that. So I had to change it so that it was clear. You can always call and ask if I can help you. I wish I'd figured out that workflow uh, for myself when I was practicing full time because intake took up so much of my days. But but I did not. I, I had not cleverly figured out how to connect all of it. I'm not even sure those tools were available. So. <laughs> well, that's one thing that tools change so much and there's so many new things yeah. out there, which is part of what's overwhelming. But it's also what I love to say that if you're doing something that's taking too long, there's probably a tool to make it better. So will your new uh, website and digital product be launched by TBD Law in August so that you can show it off? It had better be. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I look forward to seeing you and seeing it uh, in, in St. Louis in August. Thanks for being with us today, Megan. Thank you, Sam. Make sure to catch next week's episode of The Lawyerist Podcast. 
If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit lawyerist.com slash podcast or legaltalknetwork.com. You can subscribe via iTunes or anywhere podcasts are found. Both Lawyerist and the Legal Talk Network can be found on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, and you can download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play or iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network. Nothing said during this podcast is legal advice.